I'd like to just share a few thoughts with you and particularly focus our attention today in the story of, of the nativity on Mary for a moment. Mary is the first one that got to welcome the Lord Jesus. She's the first one that got to know so personally the Lord Jesus' arrival. Others have heard, others have prophesied, others have declared, but she got to know the Lord Jesus. We are privileged to, because of the writers of the scripture, to have the inside information, to have a little bit of the inside story of what happened and how Jesus came and how Mary came to welcome him. In Luke 1 verse 28, we read the story of where Gabriel appears to Mary and he says to Mary, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestors, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end, Mary asked the angel. But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High God will overshadow you so that the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. We are privileged to have read this story. Mary, probably according to most scholars as we can estimate, was around the age of 15. From about the age of 12 in those years, young women in that culture could be become betrothed, could become promised to a man and begin the, the process of courtship to get married. But for various reasons, we believe she was perhaps a little bit older, about 15 years old, still pretty young. And because we know this magnificent event that happened, we know the beauty of the story. But let's just for a moment think, if you're an onlooker in the day, and, and a little bit after this happened, you start noticing Mary in the village, and she's obviously pregnant. And the question starts arising. Because remember, everybody wasn't in the conversation with Gabriel. Everybody didn't know about the dreams. Everybody didn't know and understand what was going on. They could just see a pregnant young girl. And in that culture and in that day, that was a big problem. It would cause her reputation quite a bit of damage. It would be very easy if you were just the onlooker, not knowing the whole story, that you would look at her and, and, and judge her. Think, what has this girl gotten up to? Or perhaps you felt pity for her because you would easily be thinking that that's it. Her life will never be what it could have been. Her life would never live up to the potential it could have had. Her life has now taken a big turn. She'll probably not be able to get married. She'll probably have to spend the rest of her days surviving, trying to just raise this child with the embarrassment to her family. And this is an honor culture where bringing embarrassment on your family and your people and your village is a big, big problem. 
It could have been easy to think, shame the poor girl. And everybody's sort of avoiding her. Her parents, when they go to the local store, are getting the looks. Everybody's wondering what's going on. And it's possible that at some point Mary just couldn't hold it anymore and she started saying to people, but you don't understand. I'm not, I'm not pregnant as you would think. This is what happened. I'm carrying the Messiah. And, and perhaps that even added more insult. Perhaps that made it even harder because now people were thinking, shame the poor girl. She's lost it. She's, she's gone off the deep end. And perhaps they judged her a little bit less but felt more pity for her. Now we understand. She's not altogether there. Somebody must have taken advantage of her. And, and Joseph, we understand in the story also. But let's just focus on Mary. This was a big event in her life. And an event that sort of changed everything. I don't know what her dreams were and what the dreams of a young teenage girl at those days were in those years. I don't know what their hopes and expectations were, but suddenly everything changed just for Mary. She's asked in that moment to give up on everything she ever wanted and everything she ever dreamed. And she's asked to take this questionable event and to play such a central part in it, questionable in terms of her character and her reputation. It's so easy that we could have thought as an onlooker that didn't know the story that Mary has been asked to give up such precious things about her life. Perhaps we may even think that this is too much to ask of a person to go through this. This is a big sacrifice. But it's so wonderful that if we read on a little bit later, this is not how Mary felt at all. Mary didn't feel at all that this was a big ask of her, that this was a problem, that she had no negativity that she attached to this. In, in Luke 1, verse 46 to 50, she says the following, my soul exalts the Lord. My soul exalts the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. She's putting words to the emotions within her, the emotions of thankfulness, of, of such gratefulness, of the rejoicing that she's experiencing. For he has had regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is upon generation after generation towards those who fear him. She rejoices because she understands what little she may have been asked to offer up. She's getting so much more in return. What little discomfort she may have to endure, what little questioning she may have to face in terms of her reputation and who she is, is nothing compared to the privilege that she has received. She understood that whenever God asks you for something, it is a privilege to give him that which he asks. You know, when God asks you and me for something, it's not because we have something that he doesn't have and therefore he's asking it of us. It's not because God has some hole somewhere that he has to fill in something and then he comes to us and he says, please give me that because I have lack of what you have and I need what you've got so that I can fill something else with it. That's not why God asks us for things. 
In fact, when God asks us for something, it's not because he's got a hole to fill with whatever we can provide him. It's so that he can fill the hole that is within us with more. Whenever God asks us for something, it's to create space for more of him. Whenever, whatever we give, God returns so much more to us. In fact, I think Mary started understanding at that point that if she was the wealthiest person on the planet, if she had the best life that anybody could have, if she was the best person she could be, and if God came and said to her, give me everything you've got, she would have recognized that her everything is so poor and so little compared to what God has and to what God is. You see, how much is poverty in the sight of God? Our sight is blindness compared to God's sight. Our strength is weakness compared to God's strength. Our fullness is emptiness compared to God's fullness. Because he is all and everything is in him and for him. So when she was asked to make space in her body for the creator of all things, just think about that. God comes to her and says, Mary, I have need of your body. I need to place in your body the creator of everything. The one by whom you live and move and have your being. The, the one who created everything I, has need to come and live inside of you, to grow inside of you. What an amazing thought. God says, give me your body so that I can impart something so precious, so beautiful. Something that you would never be able to have if I didn't give it to you. You see, and that's the majesty of who God is. When he asks us to give him something, and when we give it, he gives things to us that we would never have gotten on our own. We could never achieve to. We could never work hard enough. We could never get what he has in store for us unless he gives it to us. He comes and he gives Mary the greatest honor that you could give to any person. And she understood compared to that honor, whatever she has to give up is, is, is nothing compared to that. We may have much in life. You may feel like you've got much or you may feel like you've got little. Whatever God comes to ask you, remember he's not asking for his sake, he's asking for your sake. When, when God says to Mary, give me your body so that the Savior of the world can be, can be nurtured in your womb, it is not because God needed to become a Messiah, it's because we needed a Messiah. And God says, I want to give to you. And I want to tell each of us here this evening, God wants to give. He has given his everything because that's who he is. And he continues to want to give to us. And he wants to give to you even more. I found this little poem written by Lucy Shaw. And I want to read it for us. And it, it captures the thought that is in my heart for this evening. It's called Mary's Song. And we've got it on the screen. So I'm just going to read it in three portions. Blue homespun and the bend of my rest keep warm the small hot, hot naked star fallen to my arms.
rest you have had so far to come. Now nearness satisfies the body of God sweetly. Quiet he lies whose vigor hold a universe. He sleeps whose eyelids have not closed before. His breath so light it seems no breath at all. Once ruffled the dark deeps to sprout a world. Charmed by doves' voices, the whispers of straw, he dreams hearing no music from his or other spheres. Breath, mouth, eyes, ears, eyes, yes, he is curtailed who overflowed all skies, all years. Older than eternity, now he is new. Now native to earth as I am, nailed to my poor planet, caught that I might be free. Blind in my womb to know my darkness ended. Brought to this birth for me to, know, to be newborn. And for him to see me mended, I must see him torn. What an amazing thought. That the one that created the universe, the one who spoke, and the galaxies came into existence. The one who breathed and life burst forth is now a little baby. Needing a mother to care. He is curtailed. He has been made small so that we can be made much. You see, it would have been easy if you were the onlooker on Mary's life to look at her and think she has become diminished. She has become less. But if you now know who is within her womb, then you know she has not been diminished. She has been exalted. Because he who was exalted chose to be diminished. Chose to become small. Chose to become curtailed. Chose to tie himself to this planet. Chose to come and live here in the confines of this planet. Of our reality. This is all we know is this planet. This is what we experience. This is the little bit we know of the galaxies and the universe is that which we have seen from our vantage point here. The little bit that we know. Imagine Jesus who sees it all and knows it all. And now he's a weak baby. Why is he a weak baby? Because he had to make himself so small to step into our world. We have become so diminished we have become so small because of the brokenness and the sin of this world that Jesus had to come and become like us in this world and allow the, the shrinking of this world to be his experience also so that he could remind us of how large a God we serve and how large he intended us to be. You see, he created us, he thought of us before he even created the expanse and the world. The scripture says he dreamt you. He knitted us together in our mother's womb. He made us to be big because we are made in his image. We are not big enough of ourselves, but because we represent him, because we look like him, because we, we are his sons and daughters, we are made on his scale of enormity and grandeur. But sin entered this world and we were diminished. And you and I no longer are exactly the way we're supposed to be. We have become small. Our thinking has become small. Our sight has become small. Our vantage point has become small. Our behavior has become small. Our tendencies to just want to survive has made us so small. So Jesus comes. In such a small measure, he is still so big and so large. 
that he can walk when he grows up and he walks this planet and he pleases the Father and he walks on water. He creates by speaking. He creates through mixing mud. He creates. He quiets the storm. He drives out the demon because he's big. And then he says, I'm going to die for you so that your smallness will be taken care of. That which is curtailing you, that which is diminishing you so that I can deal with it and so that I can restore you to your rightful place as sons and daughters of the Creator. And when I receive His sacrifice and the new life is birthed within me, it's a new life because it's actually the life that I was supposed to have from the beginning. And as I begin to walk with Jesus, now that I'm born again and I'm a new creation, I walk with Jesus and and he says to us, deny yourself daily, take up your cross, follow me. You know, and it's only in Jesus that it is possible to give up everything that you have and become more like you're supposed to be. So often we fear that when God asks us for something, when God says, give me your life, Give me your time, give me your energy, give me your money, give me your thoughts. Whenever we think God asks us for something, it's so easy to think when I give to God, I'm going to become less. If I, if I die to myself, what's going to be left of me? Then I'm just going to not be me. What am I going to be if I, if I stop being me? But, but we've got to remember, when I die to self, it means I'm dying to the, the, the smallness, the thing I've become, not the person I was intended to be. And when I give myself to the Lord Jesus, he takes what I give and he returns to me who I'm supposed to be. And as I die in Jesus daily as a follower of Christ, I become more me than what I would ever have been otherwise. Because it's only in him that that's possible. Anything else I give to can diminish me, but whenever I give to God, it enlarges me. This is the season of giving. But there's only one gift that God really wants, and that satisfies Him and pleases Him. It is the gift of our lives, is to say, Lord, here is my life. And again, God asks for our lives, not because He's got a hole to fill somewhere, or because we have something that He doesn't have. He says, give me your life, so that I can give you your life in return. Give me your small life. So I can give you the big life that I have for you. Give me your troubled life so I can give you a beautiful life. And I want to encourage you this evening. Give your life to Jesus. And right now in this moment, I want to create an opportunity. If you're here tonight and you've been giving it your best, you've been doing the best you can, you've been trying to acquire for yourself a life That is a good life, an enjoyable life, a life worth living. But it's such slow progress. Sometimes you think, I'm getting it, and then it disappears and it fails. Or sometimes you feel, the more I've got, the less I feel like myself, and the less I feel like I've got life. Or perhaps you think, I've lost it all. I want to say to you tonight, this is a great opportunity to come to Jesus. He made you, he planned you, he purposed you. And when you give yourself to him, he says, let me give you myself. And that 
When two, when you and Jesus come together, the two of you, life and life in abundance becomes possible. So can I ask us to close our eyes? Dear Lord Jesus, we recognize our need for a Savior. We need salvation. We need, Lord, the Creator to come to be with us. And we know, Lord, it may be hard to give you our lives. It may be hard to say, Lord, here's everything and I am and everything I'm not. Everything I have, I give it to you, Lord. It may feel like it's too much to ask of us, but Lord, we recognize tonight that whatever we give you, you return so much more to us. And I pray for the Spirit of God to awaken in each of our hearts this evening the desire for everything that God has for us and not just for the smallness that this world offers, the little, the scarcity of this world, but that we would receive everything that God has for us. So Lord, I'm asking you tonight, come and save me. Be my savior, Lord Jesus. Be my Jesus. I want to welcome you into my life. I want to have you and everything that you have promised. Come, Lord Jesus. I wonder if you are in that space tonight where you feel just the stirring of the Spirit to say, here I am, Lord, here is my life. We want to pray with you. We want to take a moment this evening. This to us is the most important, this is the most valuable thing, is whenever we have an opportunity to share Jesus, to let somebody else get to know Jesus. Many of us have come to this point where we made a decision. So tonight, if tonight is your opportunity to say, here I am, Lord Jesus, I want to know you. I want somebody to pray with me so that I can know Jesus and so that he could give me everything that he has for me. I'm gonna ask you to do something quite brave. It's a little bit darker this evening in the room, so perhaps it's a bit easier, I don't know, but I'm gonna ask you to do something brave and that is to just come to the front. It doesn't matter your age, it doesn't matter your situation. We're gonna just pray with you quickly and then we're gonna get you right back into the service before the, the height of the party starts. We're going to have you back with us and you're going to join us for the last uh, bit of the party. But this is the most important thing is if you can have an opportunity tonight to somebody for, to pray with you to meet the Lord Jesus. So right now, while we're in this pr moment, can I ask everybody in the auditorium to stand with me so that we perhaps help somebody else that needs to come to the front. Just... Show them our support and that we are with them. Can I ask you as a congregation to just pray? Lord, we pray. Just help those people that's right now, that just senses that this is the night. If there's one person tonight, it'll be fantastic. So right now, if this is your opportunity, just come forward. We're gonna give you a, a time. It's fantastic. We're seeing some young ones coming forward. If you are at the top, just make your way down. We'll wait for you. Just come and be with us. Don't you just give people a round of applause and just to encourage them, just to say, come and be with us. Come and do what every one of us has done in some way, in some place. We all did this and we said, Lord Jesus, 
I can't do this on my own. I need you, Lord. I need you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Father. Thank you for every person coming forward. It's fantastic to see you. We know it's, it's a big ask, but like I said, everything he asks, he does because he wants to give us so much more. Lord, I pray for every person that has come forward tonight. And even those that are feeling they should come forward, but they're wrestling, they're struggling. We just pray that there would be a meeting of your spirit with us this evening. Pray for every person that, whose night it is, Lord, to meet you, Father. That they will not miss this opportunity, Father. We just love you. It's such an honor to be in your service. And we bless these that have come forward tonight. We bless them with your grace and with new life and with life in abundance. And everybody said, Amen.